Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Sagebrush Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb, here to give you a recap of the latest events from the University of Nevada, Reno. All articles can be found on our website, nevadasagebrush.com. Don't forget to give those articles a read to support the writers. Once again, I'm your host, Patrick McNabb. Welcome to the Sagebrush Spotlight. The campus of UNR has seen an increased number of religious advertisements in the few months that the semester has been in session. As many know, Daniel John Lee came to the campus on October 3rd to preach his message. Along with this, the Catholic Newman Center hosted an event outside of their church in between Argenta and Peavine Hall. Another religious group on campus is the Jehovah's Witnesses, who advertise for a free Bible course in front of the Matthewson IGT Knowledge Center. Aaron Schaffer, the project director for ASUN, commented on this. Quote, it's a controversial subject because they aren't really bothering anyone. They kind of just stand there, but it's also like, what is their purpose? They're not talking to anybody. Schaffer believes that the religious advertisements give a false image about the university. Nevada Sagebrush News Editor Lizzie Ramirez met with Chris Hofton, one of the Jehovah's Witnesses on campus. He says that they are on campus to promote comfort when students are struggling with problems. Quote, if people walk by and they are maybe dealing with anxiety, stress, or family problems, or anything, then maybe they can find some comfort in the Bible, says Hofton. Peavine Hall resident assistant Taylor Limbacher shared with Ramirez her religious journey, recounting that she has begun going to church again recently and has felt generally a lot happier. Quote, the preacher can be really intrusive, even as someone who is religious. It's very uncomfortable, says Limbacher. Jordan Dykus is an affiliate with the Catholic Newman Center. He revealed to Ramirez that there has been an increase in the number of students attending services. To conclude their conversations, Schaffer gave Ramirez a theory on why so many religious people have been showing up to campus. Quote, many people believe that God is the answer and many college students are sinful. So many religious organizations think it's their civic duty to heal us as students from our sins. ASUN is in the process of passing a piece of legislation for UNR that will cut ties to Silver State Industries, a company that has been known for utilizing prison labor. The Secretary's Office for ASUN is partnered with Silver State Industries, the company binding books for the legislation and minutes of public meetings. Silver State Industries has not binded a book from ASUN since 2018. However, the Secretary's Office is being asked to bind books again, but they are refusing to work with Silver State Industries. Silver State Industries has about 600 individuals in the state facilities whose salaries range from around 80 cents to $5 an hour. These prisoners work 10-hour days and risk physical danger. Trace Wolfgang, the Director of Inclusivity, Diversity, Equity, and Accessibility, describes the practice as modern-day slavery. The legislation mentions Yovan Jackson, a former Nevada inmate, about his experience with prison labor. Quote, often operated heavy machinery, were placed in physical danger, and worked tirelessly every day for Top Ramen and a bar of soap, said Jackson in his March 2021 testimony. The legislation was first brought to the stand by Wolfgang Wyatt Leyland, the Senate Secretary, and Yefren Johan, the Senator for the College of Engineering. On the October 12th Senate meeting, Senators had almost a two-hour discussion until they decided to postpone the decision to October 19th. The reason? Some Senators deemed the writing to be the biggest issue. Among them is Zachariah Dean, the Senator for the College of Business. Quote, I want to vote yes so bad, but the language in this piece is why I will vote no, said Dean. The piece of legislation mentions the Nevada Department of Corrections multiple times, another reason why some want to change the language in the article. John Kerman Shahi, the Senator for Community Health Science, believes that the language in the legislation is inflammatory and should be revised. Reporting for this story was done by news editor Lizzie Ramirez. Make sure to check the revised article for updates. 
The Sierra Nevada University is no more, with the Incline Village campus being gifted to UNR on July 1, 2022. The campus was once a private university, with SNU students on their way to getting their four-year degrees. Many former SNU students are expressing their concerns with the transition. The president of Associated Students at the University of Nevada, Reno, and Dion Stanfield built a coalition to address these concerns. Quote, students are concerned that they cannot hang string lines for their hammocks on campus, starting clubs with housing, says Stanfield. Another issue on the new campus is the police. Since the transfer, a student had to call the police, who arrived 40 minutes after the call. No students were injured. The distance in general is a rather large issue for the Tahoe campus. When the Reno campus had their welcome week, many of the students on the Tahoe campus did not attend because of the 40-minute drive. The university is still looking into ways that they can provide transportation to and from the Tahoe campus, Stanford told Nevada Sagebrush News editor Lizzie Ramirez. Stanford built the University of Nevada Reno at Lake Tahoe Coalition for students on the Tahoe campus to voice their concerns and hopefully enact change on the campus. However, the coalition is expected to be short-lived as it was designed for four-year degree-seeking students who were already attending SNU before the transition. Stanford told Ramirez that the goal for the campus is to eventually not be a traditional four-year campus. Quote, it would kind of be like almost a study abroad program where you would spend only a semester there at a time. Around 1.30 a.m. on October 12th, two students were robbed near Manzanita and Juniper Halls. The robber approached the two students with a gun, but fortunately, no one was hurt in the incident. UNR's housing services sent an email about the robbery on the morning of October 14th. The department explains that they became aware of the robbery on the morning of the 13th and that the UNR police services have been working with the Reno police in regards to the robbery. The police recommend being aware of your surroundings at all times and if you are in danger, dial 911 or utilize one of the blue light stations when you are able. UNR housing wrote in their email, quote, as a department, the safety of our students is our top priority. Should you have any questions or concerns regarding safety and or security, please reach out to the hall staff in your respective buildings. This story was written by Nevada Sagebrush Arts and Entertainment editor Jaden Young. Be on the lookout for updates on the Nevada Sagebrush website. With the conclusion of the news section, we're going to be taking a short break to catch our breath and reflect on the news. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb, and you're listening to the Sagebrush Spotlight. The Nevada Wolfpack took their fourth consecutive loss against the Colorado State Rams on October 7th. This is the team's first four-loss streak since 2017. Playing offensively troubled the Wolfpack, losing 17-14. Nevada had a rough start to the game with quarterback Nate Cox throwing an interception to the Rams defensive back Aiden Hector, who ran the ball back for a touchdown. Then, Colorado State's Troy Golden forced a fumble from Devontae Lee that was picked up and capitalized into a touchdown. Nevada ended the first quarter losing 14-0. With seven minutes and one second left in the first half, Nevada began their 17-play drive to get their first touchdown of the game. Running back Tua Taua made it into the end zone. Nevada started the second half trailing 14-7. The game started to pick up again with 15 minutes left, with Taua rushing into the end zone once more, tying the game. Then with three seconds left, Rams kicker Michael Boyle missed his attempt at a 48-yard field goal, but due to a roughing the kicker penalty called against Nevada, the ball moved five yards closer and Colorado State was allowed a re-kick. The kick went in, ending the game with another Nevada loss, 17-14. Reporting for this story was done by Nevada Sagebrush volunteer reporter Derek Raritan. The Nevada Wolfpack women's volleyball team won their two games against the Air Force and New Mexico on October 13th and 15th. This is the second time this season that the team has won three games straight. The score for the two games ended at 3-1 and 3-2 respectively and ended with Nevada fighting for the last three sets against the New Mexico Lobos. Outside hitter Gabby McLaughlin had one of her best weekends on record with 15 and 21 kills, tying for a season high. 
Against New Mexico, she posted her second highest hit percentage of the season at .302. After these two games, Nevada's record came to 10-9 with a 4-4 Mountain West record, tying with Wyoming for sixth place in the conference. Reporting for the story was done by Matt Hannafin. The Nevada Wolfpack women's golf team continued to show their dominance on October 3rd and 4th in the Pat Lesser Harbottle Tournament. Victoria Gailey entered this season with one career title from the 2021 BYU Spring Classic and left with a second title. The Nevada women's golf team finished third of 21 teams, only behind first place Gonzaga and second place Weber State. The team had three top 40 finishes with Gailey finishing three under par, Leah John finishing two above par, placing her in the top 15, and Gabby Cano finished at T36 at nine above par. The women's golf team will compete again on October 23rd in Henderson, Nevada for the clash at Boulder Creek. Reporting for this story was done by Matt Hannafin. Moving on to arts and entertainment, drag comes to the University of Nevada Reno on October 11th with drag bingo being held in the Joe Crowley Student Union. According to Nevada Sagebrush opinion editor Gabe Kanai, the mix between drag and bingo is not only fun and entertaining, but also an unrestricted presentation of equality. Maria and Shania Thompson were the drag special guests, the entertaining duo who hosted the show. Five rounds of bingo were played with prizes ranging from a Wolf Shop gift card to the most wanted prize, a pair of AirPods. Participants were provided with a pasta meal and cookies to snack on during their games. In between games, the host presented an upbeat and entertaining drag show. By the end of the night, Seth Mueller walked out with the AirPod prize. After attending this event, many students at UNR are craving for more drag events. The University of Nevada Reno Symphony Orchestra performed their first concert of the semester on October 4th in the Nightingale Concert Hall. Graduate assistant conductor Joanna Cockinet conducted the first piece of the night, The Seahawk, composed by Eric Korngold and arranged by Jerry Brubrocker. An attention grabber to start off the concert with a dramatic opening and sudden and engaging tone shift halfway through the piece that allowed for a big finish. After the first piece, director of orchestras Jason Altieri came to the stage to conduct the rest of the concert. He began the second piece of the night, Irish Rhapsody, composed by Victor Herbert. Quote, this may have just been the best piece of the night, says Jaden Young, the Nevada Sagebrush Arts and Entertainment editor. The piece had a fast-paced start that slowed into a calm, mellow performance with soft strings. The piece even featured a harp. To finish the concert, Altieri led the orchestra through the four-movement piece Symphony No. 5 in C minor by Ludwig von Beethoven. The first movement was Allegro con Brio, one of Beethoven's most recognizable tunes with dramatic and iconic flow. Next, the orchestra played Andante con Moto with distinct note changes from calm to more pronounced notes. The third movement in the piece was Scherzo Allegro, a quieter piece. With lots of plucking from violins and violas, it gave the piece a unique feel. To finish the piece in the concert was Allegro Presto, a movement with a climbing end. A unique highlight from this concert came from the conductor. Altieri used his whole body to conduct. With small dances in his feet, the audience could tell that he was in tune with his performers. And with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sagebrush Spotlight. Another episode will be out next Friday, October 28th. Don't forget to follow the Nevada Sagebrush at Nevada Sagebrush on Instagram and Twitter, as well as following me on Instagram at Patrick.McNab and Twitter at PatrickMcNab underscore. To wrap up these podcasts, I decided to add a small section to the end of each episode, introducing Patrick's Song of the Week. This week's Song of the Week is... Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. I've been your host, Patrick McNabb, and this was the Sagebrush Spotlight. See ya.